Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So over the course of Lent, you know how we've considered this season and how it shaped early Christian candidates for baptism. The big thing. The scrutinizing or examination process included the ancient texts that were used the past couple of weeks from St. John. The woman at the well saw her need of forgiveness over Jesus, who was the Savior, the Christ. The healed blind man last week was to see life differently by his confession of Jesus and how he had washed his eyes and how things looked different with him, Jesus, in it. Mary and Martha today behold the salvation Jesus brings as the Lord, who, yes, raises the dead. Grief falls upon us in many ways and forms in life, but death is unlike all the others. Death makes us examine our mortality and the grief of those lost in life, especially whom we loved. O Israel, you heard today, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. So the story of Lazarus is practically a sad situation we still face today, at least the start of it, right? Poor man gets ill and dies from a sickness that got the best of him. Maybe that sickness was just a common cold. We just don't know. Who knows how it happened or what? Death does not ask those kind of questions. On the one side of this story, we have the disciples. They're kind of ignorant to everything, as they tend to be with Jesus. They, don't, they still don't know what to do with him as being the Lord. But finally, they heard Jesus tell them the straight t- truth. Lazarus is dead. On the other side, we have a dead man walking out of his tomb because Jesus told him the truth. Lazarus, come out. In between the disciples and Lazarus, or we could say in between these men, were two sisters, two women. Martha and Mary were just, in the story here, sorrowful over the loss. The rising of Lazarus is not much different from when, as we know, Jesus will again come again and raise the dead and give everlasting life to all believers and even giving life to those who do not believe. Only right now, though, life has plenty of loss and sadness as with Mary and Martha. And that's kind of our focus now for Lent. Darkness of death is what gains God's attention. Since Jesus is the resurrection of life, before the grief we bear, goes Jesus. Our Lord knows how death makes the living grieve. We think we understand death. Jesus understands it better than we do. Martha and Mary, as you know, both felt this blow upon their life. 
We know how that comes. Maybe you've already heard it in life, but someone has to deliver the news. A doctor, a pastor, someone from the military, but someone has to tell that loved family, friend, or whoever, I'm sorry, and then they die. To Jesus, though, they shared the same kind of desire. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. While Martha was able to confess very boldly, but even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you, Mary came with a more intense action that fell down before the feet of Jesus. And yet death brought such despair to both of these women that it made grief greater than Jesus. Jesus sees how grief still affects us. He knows how when Adam fell, all fell with him into death, which made physical death an actual judgment on humanity. It's a hard thing today to try to talk to the younger people about this reality because it's not a biological end. It really is a judgment on life. That's why death comes upon us at any time. And that's what's so scary. Christians are made alive, as we say, by baptism into Christ, the second Adam. But the fact is this. We all still grieve over death. Maybe more. Because we know God's word tells the truth, and so we're not going to gussy it up. We're not going to try to make up stuff that really is just fanciful talk. But finally, the truth of what you heard today how to set the mind on the flesh, which really is about the present life, okay, is death. But to set the mind on the spirit, which is the word, is life and peace. That doesn't mean life isn't good and we don't groom it and cherish it for what God gives to it, but we don't fool ourselves about the power of death. As you know, a few years ago, we experienced a worldwide sickness that brought a heavy grief. Matter of fact, I believe that this grief is still not only going on, it's changed how we look at things in many ways, some good, some bad. But it also has exposed problems deeper than physical loss, fear of dying. It's exposed rooted evils and also dark sins. And, frankly, much neglect upon life itself. I'm thankful for modern times, but a canopy of death still goes before one generation to the next. And we ought not cover this up. And so Jesus brings his love before this kind of grieving. Lazarus' sister in their garden, were, were in their darkness, were called to the Lord. You see that they were over there, and Jesus was coming. But over there, they were in darkness and sadness. And so the Lord called them to him. Now, frankly, it was pretty simple. Martha instantly went when she just heard the news that Jesus was coming. And yet... On her mind as she went to the Lord was that fact-based reality of death 
unable to see anything else. It's all that was captivating her mind. Jesus saw more. I am the resurrection and life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. God's Son and our flesh bridged the gap between life and death that, was, that we're naturally used to. From the cradle to his own death, Jesus has bridged every experience that man could ever mourn over. But he bridges it with good news to the poor. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Remains the question to draw us out of the darkness. Because we know grief goes differently for people at different times. Some of that grief, like with parents or a child or your spouse, can go with you until you die. But Jesus draws us out. He doesn't want to mull over the, the mourning. Against grief is to confess now out of the cross... Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who died for this world of death. But I don't quite see what that looks like right now. The experience is not what it seems. Mary went to Jesus, of course, as we know, but it was a personal word that came to her that allowed her to go. The teacher is calling you. You can only imagine, you can kind of mess with this kind of scenario, right? Because it doesn't tell us, but you can see where Jesus sees Martha and he's like, where's Mary? She's the one that was always sit at my feet. Where is she? Okay. She heard the love of Jesus in those words and did not deny being in his presence in that word that he would speak. So she got up and she ran to him too. The Lord's heart went out to Mary, and we know the same kind of feeling at times that she says, Lord, if you had been here, fill in whatever blank you want, whatever grief you want to throw out in those words. Lord, if you had been here, cancer wouldn't have been a problem. Lord, if you had been here, the accident wouldn't have occurred. Whatever, fill it in. But you see, despair and hopelessness that was all around made Jesus, made Jesus see death's firm judgment on life. He could see this, the Lord of life, who came to destroy this power, but he could see this utterly consuming all people at that moment. And so as God for us, he moved to draw near to the source of the pain. And where was the pain located? Well, it was in them, but we know where the pain was really at. It was at the tomb of Lazarus. And so he says, where did you lay him? Jesus knows where he has to go. Lazarus' tomb turned the truth upon God's son, showing his love wasn't some kind of mechanical thing or some kind of nice little cliche to use today, but fully man. And when Jesus said, heard those words, come and see, he wept. He wept for the reality of what all go to, which is that place of the grave. 
And it's more than sympathy. We gotta be empathetic to those who lose a spouse or loved one or however it may be. We should be mourning with the people who had the tornadoes and some of the people who died from that. But the reality is, is it's how serious the kind of care God was to be our savior. Jesus was weeping because he was seeing the reality of his own sacrifice. Isaiah said it pretty well. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. His weeping was also for what he would have to give. Jesus in the grief governs and preserves us with life everlasting. This governing comes by his cross where the cost of his death became life for us. And against grief is comfort. St. Paul said, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. So put in there whatever work you want to do to think that we can offset death. The law cannot keep it away. But God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. And so Jesus bears the infection of a sinful world to die for more than an illness like Lazarus or any kind of loss that leaves questions. He died for it all. The father's judgment on his son was a sacrifice. He was delivered up for the sins of the people. Jesus is the propitiation for our sin, which we heard today in the liturgy. It means that in the darkness of death for sinners dwells Jesus with his death that is life. Such an offering of love proves there is no social distancing by God from our lives. And so, yes, he had, to, he had no fear over Lazarus' tomb, and the miracle is the power of his word, the power of Jesus' word before the things that we know no one has power over. As the living Lord, Jesus forgives our sins, held captive to death's despair. He forgives you today because this is the reality. You fear death. And God says, I forgive you. You fear the morning you have is going to be forever. And God says, I forgive you. Because my son lives and reigns, death is not the end as much as you want to think. And he reigns with everlasting life, this Jesus. Everlasting life that's kept safe for you and all who have dwelled in his holy name. And so the preserving work of Jesus is also how he cares for our grief at the present. God, as the resurrection of life, speaks his saving word to do a despairing and hopeless world of death. This is the point of Holy Week. This is the point of why Christian funerals need to be taken very, very seriously of what we're doing. Not merely in a funeral at a church, but also what, what we do with our bodies. We don't cast them to the wind. We put them in graves. We can debate about the big things like urn versus a full body and all that stuff, but the reality is, is there should be a grave to mourn, but also to know who has stepped into that grave was Jesus, who will raise that person from the dead, even you. You see, St. John says in his first epistle, God gave us eternal life. 
And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. The gift for our day is care beyond our reach, but faith in God's salvation by the gospel. A firmer grip on life belongs to God since there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's a hard concept when I go to a grave of a loved one over a tragedy or someone who's deeply loved in your own life. But you should look at the grave and say there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is the confidence of which Christians could build, build grave sites right next to the church. So, if death is before every generation, then Christ brings grace for our days by his holy word and sacrament. God gives daily bread for mortal life, as we say, even to evil people. God is sustaining this present life, but it can be pretty sad and pretty mucky. But the greater gift that has no loss is for all by faith in his Son. While all grieve in this world, you have hope. And it's to say this kind of stuff. I'm baptized in Christ. He is the resurrection and the life before my life and not death. Even those who do not have the opportunity but believe in Christ, but they weren't baptized, will be saved. We don't put that against each other, though. But Jesus is our confidence. And so since death affects us, Holy Week is right around the corner for a reason. There's a reason why this text comes here before Palm Sunday, because the cure is established in what God has sent in his Son by the gospel for this world. Jesus suffered in death calls all to the care of his death and resurrection. And so the tomb cannot seal his love away, for Jesus gives that promise. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. You want a witnessing opportunity? You invite someone to church for Holy Week. That's hard enough, but I know Christians themselves can't even make it to Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Vigil, and then Sunday. But you walk with that person through the gospel, what God gives for us men in our salvation, and Jesus, who rises from the dead on Easter. Before the grace we bear is Jesus, with salvation as Savior, everlasting life because he is the Lord, even glory to speak of our resurrected life on the last day. Do you believe this? The older generation better say, Amen, yes, Lord, and I'm going to take seriously my funeral. I'm going to tell my kids, I'm going to have a funeral at the church or you're not getting anything from me because my generation and younger doesn't look at it like you do. But you want a last witness to some of your kids? Have them come to church one last time. Even by force of a will. So that they would hear that good news that you already have and rest in. What can be for them. And for those who are younger, we don't want to have them hear about death. But you can't protect them from that either. Parents have the hardest challenge in the world. Some of my best friends have always said, 
I don't know when to tell my kids about this stuff. And I said, well, I don't think it's about so much when you want to. You're just going to do it when you know you need to. You don't hide it because Jesus doesn't hide his love from us. We lift up him, him up on the cross. He gives us his very body and blood of his sacrifice, of his death we proclaim to the end. Live in that peace, my friends, because that is the glory of our resurrected life in Jesus. And better than Lazarus is also a place of rest in Jesus right now and also on the last day, a true victory where he will raise the dead and you will see a great kingdom of priests and saints that honor him who is the Lord who has loved us. Amen. The